Welcome to With Heart and Wonder. This is a place for us to explore heart-centered living and to celebrate what it means to live with wonder, with awe and appreciation for the possibilities that are within us and around us. I'm Megan Johnston, and I am truly so honored and excited that you are here. Let's dive in and journey together. You're listening to episode 15 of With Heart and Wonder. Today, I am beyond excited to be diving into the topic of optimism with Jess Ekstrom. Jess has done so many truly incredible things. I'm mostly going to let her introduce herself today, but I do want to share a few words. While Jess has a list of accomplishments that is really worth celebrating, what shines brightest is her deep care for others and her unwavering belief that a better world is possible. When I met Jess, I was so enamored and inspired by how she so deeply listens and holds space for others with such soulful presence. Jess is a powerful storyteller who brings so much hope to this world. I'm really honored to have her here today on the podcast, and I can't wait for you to get to meet her. Welcome, Jess. Thank you for having me. I am so glad to be here today. I, uh, I am so glad that we're able to connect and so excited to be diving into optimism with you today. But I'd love first for you just to share a little bit about you and your story. So I started my company when I was in college. I was interning for the Make-A-Wish Foundation and I was seeing a lot of kids that were losing their hair to chemotherapy and would be offered wigs or hats, but a lot of them loved to wear headbands. And I kind of did my research and I saw that no one was providing, you know, these headbands. And I thought it was so cool that they wanted to wear them and not like hide what they were going through, but just embrace it with this fun accessory and feel like a kid again. So uh, I, in this not, not so much thought, whimsical reaction, I was like, oh, I could do that. So I started Headbands of Hope. For every headband sold, we donate one to a child with an illness and now that we're celebrating our eight year anniversary this month, which is crazy. And uh, almost 600,000 headbands donated. And it was about a few years ago that I started um, kind of taking the story of Headbands of Hope and speaking and writing, uh, which has turned into this whole other part of my life. And um, that's when I came out with Chasing the Bright Side, my book. And and this is definitely the... Um, let's just say the highlight reel that I'm sharing with you right now. And I think like I'm delivering it in one of my biggest pet peeves where I'm like, one day I had the idea and look at all these things we've done now, but there's a lot that happened in between, but let's just start with that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And definitely in your speaking and in your book like and on social media, like you are someone who is so honest about like the process, right? About like the highs and the lows. And I think that speaks so powerfully to this message that you have really, and, and your book, Chasing the Bright Side, which is really about optimism. And like, like the fact that when there are ebbs and flows and highs and lows that like we're able to take that and, and transform it. Can you tell us like first, just like a little more about the book and, and it's kind of key messages. I mean, you really nailed it right there. I'm like, oh, that that's better than probably what I wrote in the book. But I, <laughs> um, I really wanted to write something that was super transparent about like this idea of 
A to B, you know, you have an idea and you believe in something and putting it out into the universe. Because when I was first starting Headbands of Hope, I was running into all of these roadblocks. I mean, I had uh, money stolen from me from a manufacturer. I had like all these things that kept happening and I wasn't hearing stories like mine. You know, I would uh, read, you know, someone's startup story and it was just this magical straight linear line. And I was like, why are these things happening to me? And it wasn't until I really got into my business and uh, started meeting other entrepreneurs that I realized everyone's story is a zigzag, just not everyone is sharing it that way. So with Chasing the Bright Side, I wanted to write a book about how we can have these optimistic beliefs and these visions to make the world a better place. And we don't have to know what we're doing, but we have to know that we can get there. And so that's really what Chasing the Bright Side is all about. It's not really optimism as this like be happy all the time mood, but a strategy to like bring the good. Yeah, let's talk about that like a little bit more because I think that's a distinction that we don't always naturally make with like how optimism is talked about conventionally. It's it's like sometimes it's the, um, like I, I've heard it called, you know, like the cult of positivity and that we always have to like choose kind of a positive attitude when your approach to optimism is really not that at all. Yeah, no, it, it's not. In fact, I was feeling like almost a sense of guilt for a while where uh, if I didn't wake up like with rainbows and butterflies and seize the day, I felt like, what is wrong with me? You know, why am I not happy? Look at all this stuff that I have going for me or why am I stressed or overwhelmed? And, you know, and social media is like pouring kerosene on that because the metrics that sometimes you're comparing yourself to are other people's wins and not their reality. Like when you scroll and when you see like, oh, this person just, you know, closed a major deal with their business or this person looks like they have the perfect relationship. And so those metrics that you're using, you know, don't show the full picture and it makes you feel like, you know, why isn't this working for me? Um, so that was I struggled with a while was like comparison traps and um, feeling like I wasn't doing enough and constantly moving the goalpost once I hit something. You know, you have this idea of like, oh, well, once I can get this, you know, once I can have this amount of stores or achieve this milestone, then I'll be happy. And then that happens. And then you breeze right through it because you've moved the goalpost along to something else. Um, so I think that that's probably my biggest tug of war is like, forward thinking and being ambitious, but also still trying to be able to be rooted in the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even with that, I know it's, it, it's kind of glamorous in a way to think like, oh, now you are an author whose books are in, I mean, so many incredible stores. And I, I, I know I saw pictures and I've seen your book, you know, right there next to Marie Forleo and Gabby yeah. Bernstein and like, <laughs> you know. Um, and they won't call me back. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so, you know, your book um, is like out there in the world. What like an incredible milestone. And mm -hmm. and I know so many people dream of writing a book and having their book available to the public. But I also know that you've shared quite vocally that it like has not been an easy ride. Like, can you tell no, us more yeah. about the process of this book and how kind of your belief 
in the power of optimism has played in to supporting you on what has been like a marathon in many ways. And and like, I know it's not over as you continue to publicize this book. I mean, ever since I was a kid, I wanted to have a book. I, uh, my claim to fame was sixth grade getting published in chicken soup for the soul, which I actually talked about in the book. And then full circle moment, Jack Canfield, the founder of chicken soup and ended up endorsing chasing the bright side, which was total fangirl moment, but I've always loved writing. And, um, when I kind of got the idea for, for this book, it was actually kind of another book that I was, I was pitching, but it had some similar concepts. It was about like filling in the blank, like the middle of our stories. And I started pitching it to literary agents. And I mean, I must've like gotten 40 rejection letters. And it was this moment where I realized like, man, is this going to happen for me? And the message of what Chasing the Bright Side is, like I needed it most during that process. Um, And it wasn't until I was at this speaking engagement where Bob Goff, um, the founder of Love Does, uh, he was speaking there too. And I kind of shot, like, you know, went for it when we were backstage. I'm like, Bob, I have this book idea. I need a literary agent. Do you have anyone? And that was when he connected me to my agent now, um, who was amazing and really like changing and helping me shape the message to something that would, um, really land. But then, you know, you go into the writing process, which I absolutely loved the writing process and thinking that that was like the hard part. Like I wrote the book, uh, and then going into the marketing process, um, after it was out and even before was something that was like weird for me because, um, with headbands of hope, I'm like, I can sell headbands all day long. Like that's my thing. That's my product. But with the book, it felt so much more, um, personal, like, um, emotionally attached to it because I'm like, here, buy all the deepest, darkest secrets and corners of my life, like get it while it's hot. And, uh, so that was like some tough, uh, just kind of mental blocks that I had to get over because I had, I have to realize like, um, we can't deprive like the world of our gifts if by being afraid to sell them. And sometimes we can get in our head about that of, of the value that we bring and putting a price tag on it. But if we truly feel like our service and our offerings can help people, then we are doing a disservice by holding it back. Yeah, absolutely. It it really is like such a wonderful book. You are such a, a gifted storyteller in the way that you weave like so many personal details and humor and it it really feels like you're just like having a sit down with your best friend oh thank you I and I wanted it to be like that um with the audiobook too uh it was really fun like f- I spent four days in Nashville in like a music recording studio doing this audiobook and I kept parts in where I cried. I kept parts in where I laughed and couldn't get the sentence out. And I think that's why the audiobook has also done so well. Is what you, here's what you get. Um, so yeah, I think like I want to be the, the person that I needed when I was starting Headbands of Hope where someone was transparent about the times that they messed up. And, and I think that once we come to this, like once you realize that there's life after all these mistakes, there's this new like level of confidence that you gain. And now I try to classify these mistakes and things that have happened and had bands of hope in my life as not failures, but research because you learn something that 
helps you make better decisions for the future. Um, so I'm trying to be grateful for them. <laughs> what's, uh, what's one of your favorite stories in the book? Um, that's a good question. Uh, one of my, I think my favorite story was one, I don't know if favorite would be the right word, but, um, I think the one that I was like, felt this release of was because a lot of people might know the story of headbands of hope, whether you can see it on our website or something like that. And it's something that I'm comfortable talking about headbands of hope, but I wanted to talk about this, um, event that happened in high school with my family, where my family was involved in a very public scandal that um, was all over the news, like all over the world, and became this, felt like this massive scarlet letter on myself. And it was something that I never shared. I was like trying so hard for 11 years to differentiate, like, that's not me and that's not who I am. And I think in the process of writing Chasing the Bright Side, I realized that even the stories that we try to forget or try to push out still make us who we are today. And so by like owning them and realizing that it's all just a part of your story, like that's a really beautiful thing. And maybe you're going through something right now, like times are tough. There's so much going on and maybe the silver lining isn't there yet, but you're in the middle of your story. And it might not make sense right now, but one day you'll be able to look back and connect the dots. Um, so I think that that sharing that and chasing the bright side was like, I hope it's great for the readers, but it was just super liberating for me. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much power to like claiming all the layers of ourselves and layers is a great word. Yeah. 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 And just kind of coming home to like our wholeness and the ways in which all of these facets of ourselves make up the whole, which is is so beautiful. And and I think like your message shines so bright of like even those layers that maybe we have kept in the shadows for a long time, like we can still turn that into hope and optimism and like recognize the ways in which they they were important in shaping our beliefs yeah. and our interactions. And I think right now, especially, we all need to hear that um, with coronavirus and things being shifted and on hold and, and canceled and, and maybe you got laid off or whatever it is right now. Um, it's, it's hard to see that meaning like, um, but I, I want people to know that you don't have to like immediately look for like that silver lining, but it's going to be there. And one of my favorite analogies is that boiling water can soften a potato, but harden an egg. So it's not as much about the circumstance that we're in as it is about the subject and who we are. So no matter what you're experiencing and what you're going through, you can't always control your experiences, but you can always write your stories. And you are the one that decides what means something and what doesn't. And we can be in control of that, even though we might not be able to control this pandemic right now, or like uh, if our neighbor's dog is barking while we're trying to record a podcast, like we are the ones that can decide what it means and what we do next. Yeah. And this invitation, this powerful invitation that there is so much 
like power in in getting in in kind of reclaiming our ability to choose who we want to be and how we want to react and and the story that we want to write. Yeah, uh, one of the, like the most tweeted, I guess, or picture lines from the book, like the especially right now in the past couple of weeks that people have been posting on Instagram, um, is hard times give us a choice. They can be the excuse as to why we do less or they can be the reason as to why we do more. Think about like movements that have happened in history or any great change or progress like Me Too or civil rights, like whatever it might be. It always began when times weren't that good because when things are good, you know, why move? But like progress and advancements are made in times of need. And so when you think about like, I keep going back to, to the reality that we're in right now, but in healthcare, in systems, in, in creating like touchless technology, there's so much that is happening that maybe we wouldn't have had before. So if there's a little like nugget that you guys can take today, this has kind of been my mantra for the past week or so. It's that new problems also create new solutions. So whatever it is that you're facing you might be coming up with something that you never would have done before. And so that's kind of a cool thought. It's a super beautiful mantra to be holding in your heart right now. I, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Let's talk a little bit about, you were kind of starting to bring us there of this sense of like new, new problems and, and new kind of circumstances being this opportunity to like create and Mm -hmm. to pivot and to take things in a different direction. And I feel like you have been really modeling this right now with, you had a, an in-person conference that was scheduled and you also have the work of Headbands of Hope and the factories and the production line. And like, what are some of the, the places where you've been bringing creativity right now to turn what is this like unprecedented time into a moment that we can find more hope? Man, I remember like, so I've been planning the Brightside Conference for over a year now. It was supposed to happen in March And I remember like it was a week or so before, and that was when things started picking up a little bit in the news about coronavirus. And I just was thinking, okay, well, our numbers are going to be lower than what I originally projected or something like that. I wasn't, it didn't even cross my mind that this was going to be something that wasn't going to happen because you have this like outcome that you've been so focused on. And I remember one of our speakers called and she said, are you, is the conference still going on? And I was like, oh yeah, like why, why not? She was on the West coast and I feel like the East coast hadn't really caught wind of it yet. And then it was like one day where like the NBA canceled, like March madness, all of that stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to have to cancel the bright side conference. And I was thinking like, okay, well, what, what can we do with what we have? Like we already have speakers that have committed. We already have signups. And I said, why not, you know, let's just make it virtual. So we tried to pivot really quickly, you know, um, and created this virtual event. And I have to say like, you know, it comes out next week or this week, (laughs) depending on this one, when this comes out April 25th, but I would have never, ever thought about 
hosting a virtual conference. And we've been able to like triple the amount of attendees that we were going to have, double the amount of speakers that we were going to have. And I'm so glad that you are one of them. And it's really been like the perfect thing to bring people together during this time and give them that boost of optimism and that message that the future can still be good. And maybe this is something that I continue doing, but like that never would have happened had we not been faced with this problem. And then with Headbands of Hope, half of our business are stores, you know, stores that carry our product. And we have about 2000 stores that we work with and all of them shut down. And so that was, you know, half of our revenue coming in. And so we decided, okay, like what, what can we do? And then once we realized that a lot of the uh, needs out there in the medical community were, were masks, we realized like we have access to production. So we stopped producing headbands and we started producing face masks and we donated probably, I think we're at like 70,000 face masks now to, um, hospitals around the country. That's incredible. And then we, thank you. And then we realized like we have this, this product that I'm wearing right now. I know you can see me, but not everyone can't. And, um, they're these like tubular bandanas that work perfect for like facial coverage. DC recommended that people, um, not wear medical masks, but something that can serve as facial coverage. Uh, we, you know, started promoting these, um, tube turbans that we sell and those have been like a bestseller this month. And so things that have come from this that we never would have, um, even thought of before, but have been such a like shining light during this time. Um, so yeah, and it, and it also goes to show that like, you don't always have to have everything in your plans for like something to work out. I think when we're kids, it's so easy to just like go bing, bang, boom. And with headbands of hope, I didn't think about it too much because I was so young. And I think that that is such sometimes a great strategy to not get like consumed in your thoughts and just start engaging, just start moving. Okay. What would happen if we'd made this virtual? Well, instead of just like trying to map everything out, what if I just started doing it and figured it out along the way? Yeah. I love that idea of, of, I think you're absolutely right that we can just get so stuck in our heads and come up with excuses not to do things and and the power of kind of just taking action and and seeing what sticks and how it Mm -hmm. goes and and there's something really beautiful about that too in terms of like so often we get stuck in our head and don't want to do things out of fear and then Mm -hmm. when we just take action we recognize that like the world doesn't end if like you know we try something and it flops or we make a mistake totally i mean you have so much more information than you did before i'm in the middle of like working on this new idea right now and i feel like i am being so um opposite of what like my I, like I'm trying to do it as if I was tr- pretending to be an entrepreneur. I'm like creating a survey and I'm like, you know, doing all this stuff. And I think that it's, it's really just based out of fear because I'm like, what would happen if I just started doing this and it didn't work out? And so I'm trying to just like tiptoe around the starting line. Um, and I think sometimes we can do that, like where to a point where we talk ourselves out of it. And, uh, And I think I truly believe that like we grow in the process and not in the planning. It's one thing to have like a loose plan, 
Um, and that's something I try to do is like not, I'm very like outcome driven and to a point where, um, it's, it's like a flaw that I'm working on and I will have this specific outcome in mind. Like I can see it, I can touch it. It's there. And then anything that is not that feels like I missed. And so I'm trying to not like squeeze my outcome so tightly and instead just like hold them with an open palm and say, if I land a little to the left, to the right, forward or back, that's still okay. Yeah, absolutely. And that little mind shift can be so powerful in, mm-hmm. in just like in interacting with ourselves with more compassion, I think. Yeah. And, and like, and creating more room for, for creativity. Yeah. I think something else I do too, that's trying to be like uh, nicer to myself is um, redefining my relationship with quitting. Because when we were growing up, it's like quitting was always that um, toxic word of like, oh, if you, you know, quit, that means you're weak or you failed or whatever it is. And I don't think weakness, like, I don't think quitting is a sign of weakness. It's a reminder of choice. Like if you are doing something right now and you're not really feeling it, you know, maybe it's not really lighting your fire. I don't think it's noble to just like push through the pain instead be like, what if I just didn't do it anymore? What if I did something else? What if I applied for a different job or what if I, you know, pivoted my company or shut this down and started a new one. But then if you remind yourself that you have the choice to quit and you don't, it's like you're recommitting to that purpose. And so sometimes when things would get tough with headbands of hope, I'm like, no one's forcing me to be here. No one is like gluing me to this business right now. I have the option to quit, but then I remind myself like why I started it in the first place. Yeah, that is, is like such an important message and, and the opportunity to kind of reconnect with our intentions. Yeah. I think sometimes it can feel like a little hard to reconnect with that like flicker or glimmer of hope and especially I know we were chatting with you know how right now we we might be able to like appreciate that a silver lining is coming but not see it yet do you have any kind of like tips or or ideas or inspiration for people for reconnecting to that like for leaning more into hope rather than fear and anxiety and what that could look like right now. So I was doing kind of like research around failure, if you will. And I interviewed a bunch of like entrepreneurs, athletes, you know, anyone who's ever done something that they're proud of. And I realized like they all have these failures like on the, along the way. But the difference between people who like didn't make it versus the people that did, it didn't really have anything to do with like their background or their schooling or their expertise. It was their rooted belief that what they were doing was good, like that it was going to help people. And they would ask themselves like, what would happen if it all worked out? And if that vision is compelling enough then those hiccups and natural speed bumps that happen in between won't be big enough to stop you. And so that's why I feel like 
optimism is that new grit like is that uh reason to keep fighting going because we won't fight for something that um we don't believe in a greater purpose of it's i think that's when we're when we're just motivated by external things whether that's fame status money it doesn't really give us that reason to like truly like dig our heels into the ground and so i think that we have to be able to connect that end result to something meaningful. And that's when like that willpower really kicks in. In fact, there was this study about willpower in the Harvard Business Review where like we've always thought of willpower as, you know, gas in the tank. You only have so much willpower in a day till it's gone. But really what they found was willpower is more like an emotion than is like a, a resource. And so emotions have to be triggered by something, you know, when we're happy, when we're sad, you know, it's because of something and willpower, that trigger is purpose. Like when we feel like we're really doing something meaningful, that's when that willpower kicks into high gear. So when we set our alarm, you know, a few hours early to work on our business, or maybe we take a Sunday to, to get ahead on something, it's not because we have more willpower, more of that resource, it's because we're really excited about that task at hand. Yeah. And that, that sense of, I think, as you touched on, like the combination of having a sense of purpose and then also that it's connected to something bigger, you know? And, and that I think is, is a really, what I know the word grit has become like really popular again these days, but, but I love that you're kind of reframing that as like, it's, it's really about optimism because yeah, like if is. we're, if we're going to push through and if we're going to have that willpower, it's, it's for something bigger. And I, I think like, I don't, I'm tired of being told to like work harder, you know, and hustle and like, I'll sleep when I'm dead. And like, none of those things sound fun to me <laughs> anymore. Like I don't want to push myself to the brink. And I think that that idea of like grit and that tenacity Um, feels much more aligned when it's coming from a place of meaning rather than just trying to match the hustle speed of everyone around me. And you can also like do big things and accomplish big things without running yourself into the ground. Um, And so instead of like, I guess, measuring yourself based on how hard you're working or how many hours you're putting in, uh, I think rather than just looking at the the impact that you're having and like focusing on that uh, as your metric of success is much healthier in the long run. Well, and as you you kind of talk about in the book too, like we can focus on doing big things, but we can also focus on really celebrating the the small things that we do. And like, yeah, and and you know, like if if. If, you know, some people are listening who don't have any aspirations of like starting an NGO or like a social enterprise, but that there are all of these like really small actions that don't even have to be seen by others where we're focusing on bringing about more good in the world Mm -hmm. and that that is is a purpose too. And I think that we um, sometimes feel like the small things aren't enough, but the small things add up. When I look at the, the timeline of Headbands of Hope until now, there wasn't like one big thing that was the kicker for us. It was the summation of all of the small things that we did. And I think a good question to ask yourself 
whether you're starting something or, or not is like, what feels light to you today? You know, maybe that's doodling a logo. Maybe that's getting coffee with someone who has been there, or maybe that's, you know, researching domains or whatever it might be. And being able to complete those things makes our inner dialogue like so much more confident because we've, we've already entered into the game. Like we're in it. We, we got the logo or we wrote out the business plan. And so when we do the small things, we're also like breaking this inner seal. Um, it's like we're, we've, you know, waited in the shallow end. So that way we can kind of start walking into the deep end where it doesn't seem like that scary. We don't have to immediately just like go in and dive or belly flop into the deep end can wait in the shallow end and like keep going deeper and deeper until you don't even realize how far you've been swimming. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite stories in Chasing the Bright Side is your story of, and I don't remember if I'm calling it the right name, but the worst fundraiser yeah. ever. Oh yes. And yes. I love this example of like the power of kind of coming together and like creative ways that people can be of service to each other. And mm -hmm. I'd love if you shared a little bit about this, this, this fundraiser. Yeah. So the worst fundraiser ever, we, uh, originally we called it, it, well, it's called give gala. Like the tagline is the worst fundraiser ever. And, and, you know, I started headbands of hope when I was young and didn't have a lot of money. And I realized like all these charity galas and, and fundraisers were these high tickets that, you know, I couldn't afford, but I still wanted to help out. And how do I do that? Is $20 enough? Like it was, uh, I felt like excluded from, um, these give back events, but then I would go into the hospitals and realize like a lot of these kids just want, you know, a toy to play with or guitar lessons or whatever it might be. And so my friend Joey and I started this event called Give Gala, the worst fundraiser ever, where money is completely banned from the event. Your ticket into the event is an act of kindness. And so you register it where it's something that you can offer, whether that is like guitar lessons, or maybe you um, can wash cars, or maybe you are a really good cook, or maybe you could give a yoga class or whatever it is. And that is your ticket into the gala. And then we match those um, acts of kindness with the uh, patients and families at our local children's hospitals. Um, and when you get into the event, it's like the same thing as if you had paid all this money for it. There's uh, dancing and hors d'oeuvres and drinks because we have amazing sponsors that help us put it on. Um, but it just shows that like giving doesn't have to have a dollar amount attached to it. And it can also just be like the small things that make a big difference in someone's day. Like someone, you know, wanted, uh, uh he wanted to start a, a Mac and cheese truck and he just wanted to be able to talk to someone who has a business and ask them, you know, I, for ideas, like this 12 year old boy that was in the hospital wants to start this Mac and cheese truck and he just wants a mentor. So finding out what people need sometimes is great because it's just small things that you're able to fill. And that like memory of that 12 year old boy getting to chat with someone about his mm -hmm. mac and cheese truck or, you know, yeah. someone having their first guitar lessons is maybe more meaningful and impactful than, you know, a monetary donation yeah, because writing a check, there's sure. that sense of like human connection as well, where we're, we're building relationships and supporting people. And yeah, I love that story so much. And, and I, I was thinking of it because I think right now, one of the things that I'm seeing a lot of is um, there's like a lot of focus on social media 
right now on um, like supporting businesses in Mm -hmm. like a monetary way. But then there's also like ordering out from your local takeout places and and, um, making donations online and ordering things online. But at the same time, you know, there's a lot of people who don't have an income right now, but who are wanting to support others. And, and I think there's so many ways that we can like get really creative with how we're supporting each other. I mean, sharing like posts to your story, writing reviews is huge. Like whenever anyone, you know, messages me or something that they're reading Chasing the Bright Side, I'm like, that's amazing. Please write a review when you're done because it helps with the traction of the book. That's something like you can do for businesses. I mean, that I, I challenge myself a lot on that because um, we're always like so quick to, I think, point out like bad experiences. But if you've had a good experience with a company or a service, like write a review. It helps them so much. And so using this time, yes, shop locally. And, and, but if that's not within your bandwidth right now, there are so many things that you can do that would truly help businesses, um, even without taking out your wallet. Yeah, and even even businesses, but also individuals, like checking Absolutely. in on on neighbors. Or um, I know my sister's partner. When the whole thing started, he um, like went around his apartment building and gave his number so that if anyone needed groceries Aww. or like if something came up and they were sick and needed something, like you know, there's ways that we can um, support each other by whether it's making food or like having phone calls or you know, I know a, a big one. I I've seen people who have been kind of saying online that they're happy to like entertain kids for parents if they you know to hop on on a video call for a few minutes and to like give parents a break if that feels like something I love that yeah I had a thought that was too late I was like oh man I should have gotten an Easter bunny costume and like hopped in on people's Zoom uh, Easter family things as like a special guest. That's so fun. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Um, Yeah. So just that there's like so much creativity available. And and I know that's going to be a big theme, I think, of of the Virtual Brightside Conference is is this opportunity to brainstorm ways that we can bring more good into the future. Can you tell us? Looking at your gifts. Yeah, a little more about the conference. I know you gave us a little teaser, but if folks are interested in participating, like what can they expect? So the virtual conference, the Brightside Conference, it releases April 25th. And so you'll have access to it, but it's not live because I realized like everyone's lives are so crazy right now, whether you have kids or whether you're working and, and I want people to be able to take the conference at their own pace, like on their own time. So that's when it releases, but you have lifetime access to it. And something else that we did was we um, made, made it a pay what you can conference. Everyone's in a different financial situation right now. Everyone's like lives are turned upside down. If you want to pay $15 for it, great. If you want to pay $90 for it, awesome. If you can't pay anything at all, like that's fine too. Um, so we wanted it to be something that was available to everyone, no matter what they're going through right now. And the theme of the conference is a bright future. So we have over 30 speakers all kind of like talking about how to pivot or how to stay positive or the things that they do to kind of like bring the future a little bit brighter and what you can do from the comfort of your own home. Um, and also just like a wellness portion to it, which I'm so excited to have you a part of, of like, how do we take care of ourselves? Because we can't, um, 
improve the future if we're not like equipped mentally, physically to do that. And so there's different breaks in between and uh, it's just going to be really fun. I'm like, it's coming together and I've been, the speaker videos have been coming in and I'm just like so excited to get this out into the world. So if you want to register, you can go to brightsideconference.com and check it out and, and, and join us. And it's such a diverse mix of speakers. Um, mm-hmm. You've got people from all, because it's virtual now, people from like all over the place. You've got kids who are speaking. You've we got- have kids who are speaking for sure. Like there's this girl that I met in the hospital um, a few years ago and she is a who, she was on Ellen. Like she is crazy. And she's, her and her mom are speaking about how they've been staying positive during this time. We have co-founder of Netflix is speaking. Um, one of my friends, Srini, she's the founder of Uncurated, a card game that is like how to have deeper conversations with people and she's speaking. Um, and it's, it's like, it, and the thing is, is that maybe as a attendee, not every single speaker is one that's like, like world, but the chance to look outside and, and see what else is out there. And um, so I'm just really excited for it. It's, uh, it's coming together almost more so than what like the bright side in-person conference was. Yeah. Oh, that's so, and, and I, it just like, I know it was very intentionally kind of put together, but I think it's coming at such a great time, especially as we're, you know, like we're moving into like over a month for a lot of us of like social distancing. And I think there's been like, um, like you and I were talking right before we started, there's been all sorts of waves people have been experiencing of like emotion Mm and, and, um, of grief and, and of kind of anxiety and, and hope and working through it all. But I think like now that we're starting to settle into rhythms and routines, Mm -hmm. like it's such a powerful time to, to kind of connect in and connect with yeah. each other and and think about like what's next and where are the the places that we can bring more creativity and hope and optimism. Yeah. And also like not in a um, guilt assigned way. That was like, I think one of the things that I am conscious about, not just with, not just now with coronavirus, but just with my brand in general, is that like everyone's dreams and lives, like it's all relative someone's dream might be to like wake up at 5am and work on their business. Someone else's dream might just be to be home by 5pm and be with their kids. And so this isn't like a get up and go and like chase, you know, chase the hustle or whatever it is like kind of conference or book or whatever it might be. It's like giving people the tools and the resources to meet them where they are. And like, whatever that, that looks like for them. Um, so I think that that's something that I've been conscious of, of like, I don't want to be the motivational pusher for people when I'm like, I have no idea what your life looks like. I was fortunate enough starting headbands of hope to not have a lot of risk. I didn't have a family. I wasn't paying off a bunch of student loans. I wasn't, um, I, I, I started like from a privileged place and not everyone has that. And so I want like my content and kind of the things I put out into the universe to not make people feel guilty, but like meet them where they are and, and remind everyone that like everyone's dreams are relative to where they're standing. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And, and, um, and so wise and so powerful because we are all in these like deeply different places and, and, and our dreams are, are different and unique, but I think there is this 
this thread between them of optimism and of, you know, um, of creating more good in our lives and in our world. And I'm so thankful for the work that you are bringing in this world. I know that it takes so much bravery to show up as your whole self and to share the highs and the lows. And I'm so grateful for, for, also this opportunity you're creating for us to come together right now and to dream about the future together. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, I'm grateful for the work that you are putting out there. You are helping people feel grounded and centered, including myself. And so I'm glad that we could come together on this too. Yeah. Could you share just, just before we go, like how can people stay connected with you and where can they find more information about you and headbands of hope and the book and all the things? I would love that. So headbandsofhope.com, great place to start. Uh, chasingthebrightside.com, that is um, where you can get the book, but it also like redirects to my personal website. So definitely go on there and um, you can find me on Instagram at Jess underscore Ekstrom and at Headbands of Hope. So please, I would love to hear from you. Keep in touch with me. Let me know how I can support you. Thank you so much, Jess. I'm so, so it's always such a pleasure to connect and I truly can't wait for the conference next week. Hopefully some of you will be joining us. I'm excited for your session too. Yeah. You can go to brightsideconference.com as well. If you want to sign up. Yeah. We'll have such a wonderful day and thank you. Thanks Megan. I appreciate you having me. Thanks so much for joining us for this conversation today with Jess. I truly hope it inspired some gems of wisdom and ideas for how you can hold more optimism in your heart right now and do good in this world. If you're feeling inspired to check out Jess's book, Chasing the Bright Side, or the Virtual Bright Side Conference, which I'll be speaking at, I just wanted to let you know we recorded this last week and the conference is going live this Saturday, April 25th. And if you snag your spot by Wednesday, April 22nd, you actually get a free copy of Jess's book. They'll mail it right to you. And conference is sliding scale now. There's three payment options that are even cheaper than if you were to go to the bookstore and buy the book. So do check it out. I do have an affiliate link for the conference, which you can access on my Instagram bio and on my website, which pays it forward to me as well. Do feel free to reach out. You can always get in touch over Instagram or at my website, meganjohnston.com. Otherwise, we'll be back with a new episode next week. Episodes release every Tuesday. Can't wait to connect then. Keep living with heart and wonder.